Can't hear records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? Welcome to another edition of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is James Cooney and I'm joined as always with my co-host Lewis Glover. Lewis, how are you, buddy? Mr. Cooney, I am fantastic. It's such a, a pleasure to be podcasting with you so soon after we, we did the NFC... Uh, what did we do last last episode? East. NFC East last episode. So it's yeah, only, only a few nights have gone by and we get, to, we get to do another episode together. So that's always nice. Well, that's what happens when the uh, season starts and someone goes away on holiday before the season. So, you know, we all have to cram all these episodes in at once. I know. What a selfish prick you were. Yeah, I know. I had to go to, you know... Timbuktu and have a great time there. You, you on the other hand, went to Europe and you know just had the best time ever. I reckon it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I won't lie. So yeah, but, but timing wasn't ideal. I'll, I'll I'll blame that on on my fiance for having a birthday so close to the start of the NFL season. What a bitch! Pretty selfish. I know. Anyway, Lewis. I will this week. We'll do the uh, AFC East. This one we did the NFC East Monday. We we'll do the AFC East today. Um, but before we do that, we do have a plug to give out. We do. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our new and fantastic sponsor, Breaking the Game Down Under. Uh, that's the Facebook group BTG Down Under, and they are the home of premium helmet and NFL merchandise box breaks in Australia. And they are breaking every single day authenticated quality items such as signed helmets and jerseys available for the fraction of their retail cost. I encourage you all to go check them out. And in fact, I just checked their group a moment ago and the winner of the signed Tom Brady helmet is a very pleased man. He posted a picture with his his, his latest delivery and it looks absolutely fantastic. The next series of boxes that they're breaking includes a signed Von Miller authentic helmet and also a signed Ladanian Tomlinson helmet as well. So there's some quality merchandise available. So to find those guys, search BTG Down Under or go to facebook.com slash groups slash BTG Down Under. So thanks again to those guys for supporting us. For a simpleton like me, um, how does the uh, box breaking work? Because, you know, I'm a bit dumb and I don't know how these things work. You, you pay money to do something. What do you have to do? Yeah, so I'm a bit of a simpleton as well, and I'm not a hundred percent down with all of the complete and utter intricacies because I'm a, I'm you know I'm relatively new to the concept of box breaks as well. But the idea is is you 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 purchase random spots. It's it's like a raffle, and you buy the chance to win one of these fantastic helmets. So you buy into the break, and for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost you to go and buy a, a signed Tom Brady helmet, an authentic game helmet for you know over a thousand dollars, you buy a spot. For 30 bucks, you can buy two if you want, and, and, and you buy in. The chance of winning a helmet like that can be yours. And the guys uh, in the group, they're constantly swapping and selling and trading helmets and merchandise. It's a, it, it's a NFL merchandise lover's dream in that group, I'm telling you. All righty. Well, everyone go get, check it out. And uh, we might as well get straight stuck into it. Let's go with the AFC East. Who you want to start with tonight, Lewis? You want to start with your Patriots? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with the Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. And you know what? Before we jump into that, I thought we should quickly touch on Rob Gronkowski's recent press conference. Uh, or, you know, he's now selling CBD or as a spokesperson for the benefits of CBD. And I just thought it was amazing how he said that he's physically able to play football, but mentally he's just not interested in doing it at this time. But what was what was crazy for those who didn't see the uh, soundbite, is that he had a thousand milliliters, a liter of blood drained from his quad after the Super Bowl because of a hit he took during the game. He kept playing during that game, 
but he said he spent the night in bed crying and, and couldn't sleep after the Super Bowl, which is the least gronk thing ever. So uh, I, I highly doubt that. I'm yeah, sure, well, I'm well, pretty sure it been all the drinking. That's why they all, he had to suck out all the blood. <laughs> like he wasn't. Yeah, he was just place. dancing he too hard. He wasn't in bed that night. I don't know, man. He looked pretty cooked after that game. Yeah, but alcohol does a lot of things too, and other things, <laughs> other substances. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, yeah. It's uh, good to see he's happy with his decision and, uh, and and at peace with it. So, you know, maybe he comes back after a year away from the game. Who knows? But but right now, let's talk about the Patriots and what they're looking like without Gronkowski for 2019. And we'll start with the man himself, Tom Brady. And... Oh, you go, Lewis. You're okay. Yeah. So he had a pretty, you know, okay 2018. He finished overalls at the QB 14. But it seems that everyone expects better things from Tom Brady in terms of fantasy, the way he's drafted every season. He still holds that name value. A bit similar to Drew Brees, what we were talking about uh, a couple of episodes back when we previewed the the New Orleans Saints. But one thing I do like for Tom Brady this year is the return of Josh Gordon. And we'll move on to him in a little bit because we know I could talk forever about Josh Gordon. But for Tom Brady... I don't, he's, he went up 3.5 points per game when Josh Gordon played last season and he increased his yards per attempt by 1.8 yards, which doesn't sound a lot, but over the, the, the course of you know 35 passing attempts per game, it's a significant difference. The Patriots are clearly a run first team. These, these, you know, these last few years, they've lent heavily on the running game as Brady's gotten older, but he's, he's still a perfectly good quarterback to have in super flex leagues. And his ADP is is tumbling quite low, actually. It's uh, it's down at QB 18. So what are you doing with, with Tom Brady this season? I'm staying away. Obviously, in single QB, there's two there's guys like Drew Brees, there's guys like Philip Rivers um, that are sort of mainstays in sort of fantasy, but their ceiling isn't as high as guys like Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott or Jameis Winston. Those are the guys that I'll be targeting to those late sort of round quarterbacks. You don't want to sort of go for Tom Brady, who's going to say, yeah, finish what? He won't be finishing in the top 10 this year. He's no, be, I'd be, be very. Something crazy would have to happen. Exactly. So, I'd rather be targeting sort of someone with a higher potential, guys with rushing um, poten- uh, abilities as well. Um, yeah, Tom Brady doesn't do it for me anymore. You, you saw in the Super Bowl, they're going to running base attack. They've got three, even four now. Rex Rex Burke coming back. Four great running backs. Um, they're moving to a rushing based offense. Um, yeah, even with Josh Gordon coming back, even with Nikhil Harry, even with Jacoby Myers, I just don't see them seeing him having a fantasy relevant year. Yeah, definitely not in single quarterback standard type leagues that the majority majority of us play in. If you do play in a two quarterback league or or a much deeper league, say you got into a sixteen team league this year, Tom Brady is very much a viable starter in, in that sort of format. But other than that, I'm staying away. But his ADP has been dropping and dropping, and I would say that drafters haven't reacted enough to the return of Josh Gordon because he was significantly different with Josh Gordon last season. And um, we'll touch touch on... Uh, we'll dig into him now because you just mentioned me five times already. Fine, okay. I'll talk about Josh Gordon if you really insist. If you're going to really make me talk about Josh Gordon, Cooney, I'll it. talk about I'll talk right. about my guy. Happily, go for it. I'll give you five ben, minutes. I mean, what is there to say about Josh Gordon? Yes, there is some absolute risk there because... He might be done halfway through the season. But right now, what we know is he's healthy. He's in, he's in shape. He's been working out with Tom Brady in the offseason, and he's reinstated to the NFL. That means he's ready to go week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Quick question for you, Cooney. Yep. 
Who's Josh Gore? Oh, sorry, who's uh, Tom Brady's most efficient receiver of all time? Randy Moss. Uh -uh. Next. Uh, Danny Amendola. Close. No cigar. And it's not Rob Gronkowski either. It is, in fact, Josh Gordon. In adjusted yards per attempt, Josh Gordon is Tom Brady's most efficient receiver of all time. It's absolutely uh, incredible. Have a look at this. This is using the statistic from Rotoviz. Tom Brady's adjusted yards attempts per receiver, Josh Gordon, 11.47. Rob Gronkowski was second at 11.10. Potentially the best of all time, Randy Moss, was it down at 7.3. How Josh Gordon was used last season by the Patriots was, was spectacular. He, he led the Patriots in yards per target. He led the Patriots in yards per catch. He was 14th of 96 eligible receivers in yards per route run, and he was 7th of 125 eligible receivers in yards after the catch. And these all come from, from the uh, you know Evan Silver, one of the, the sharpest minds out there in fantasy football. And he did all of this while learning the Patriots offense on, on the fly. He has an incredible high football IQ, so he's going back to a familiar environment, built some rapport and trust with Tom Brady. If... And I understand, everyone, this is a big, big if. If Josh Gordon plays for the entirety of the season, there's no way he doesn't finish as a top 15 wide receiver. He's just too oh. good. He's too good, man. I'm, ta I'm, I'm taking you up on that one. He'll get... If, if, okay, I'd love to have a beer bet with you on that one. So, so, let's set out the criteria. If Josh Gordon is not suspended or injured, let's play, say he plays 15 games, we'll allow, we'll allow a knock. If Josh Gordon plays 15 of 16 regular season games he will finish as a top 15 wide receiver easy easy win for me we'll see we'll see but he has you know double digit touchdown potential he's only 28 years old he's not got a lot of miles on the clock this is a guy who's a true game breaker so i'm excited to see what he can do as a patriots fan if you had to rank him sort of roughly and he's going at the wide receiver 27 right now on adp where would you have him above or below adp Oh, to be honest, I think he's perfectly rated there. Um, yep. He averaged, I think, sorry, he was wide receiver 27 points per game last year. Um, I do think he's better than guys going ahead of him like Jarvis Landry, uh, Calvin Ridley. I do have him above there, but around that sort of 60 mark, that's where, uh, that's where I would be taking him. I wouldn't go any higher. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to say Josh Gordon's going to be a fucking uh, superstar, but I'm just not not trusting him to stay on the field. That's my Yeah, that's my right. And I I was about to say, and you, you hit the nail on the head there. You said you think his ADP is about right. And I completely agree with you going at wide receiver 27 because he, Julian Edelman is going to get you know the, the easier targets. So there is the potential for those games where he might bottom out and just the connection isn't there and it just doesn't work out for him. But of course, his suspension risk is also baked into that ADP because people were left high and dry last season when they were starting to get used to Josh Gordon. So... Completely agree with you that his ADP is on point, but I'm just so excited to see Josh Gordon back in football. He's too much fun to watch. The NFL is better with him there. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's back. That was just under four minutes. Well done, Lewis. Thank you. I'm. Uh, I'm quite. I'm quite pleased with that. Now there's other wide receivers in uh, in New England. There's Julian Edelman. He's sort of coming off a career year. Just won the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, in a points per game last year, he finished wide receiver 12. If you don't count his four-game suspension at the start of the year. Averaging 17.3 PPR points per game. How do you see Julian Edelman fitting with Josh Gordon? So I was very high on Julian Edelman before the, the uh, reinstatement of Josh Gordon. 
Obviously, there was a massive void taken away by, or a void created rather by Rob Gronkowski's retirement. But Edelman going at the wide receiver 14, which is what his ADP is on Fancy Football Calculator, it's just a little too high for me. <laughs> no pun intended regarding Josh Gordon there, because what he 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 caps his upside tremendously. And yes, Julian Edelman's going to lead the team in targets. Yes, he's got a safe pair of hands. But I think the wide receiver 14, his touchdown potential is completely capped, particularly as they're going to lean on the run game and have been leaning on the run game more and more. I would have him closer to the wide receiver 16, uh, give or take. And so I think at the wide receiver 14, you're really drafting him close to his close to his absolute ceiling now. So you're you're not gaining any draft equity by drafting Julian Edelman at where his cost is now. Yeah, as you said, I think these ADP is a bit too high for me. Um, having guys like Chris Godwin, sort of Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, guys going behind him, I prefer them. If sort of Edwin slipped to me in the fourth, fifth, no, sorry, in the fifth or sixth round, yeah, happy to take him there. But for sure, as, as you said, he's going sort of um, mid to third, high, high four. Uh, so I'm not too sure. I'm not as much as he played well at the end of the year, and he started for me last year. Um, I'm just not willing to take the risk on him this year. Yeah, as I said, earlier on in the season, some earlier drafts and things like that, I was definitely interested in him. I will say in dynasty formats, people you know, might be souring on him and be willing to sell him uh, cheap a couple of games into the season. I would definitely be interested, particularly if he starts off slowly because he's had this thumb injury. Now that they've got Josh Gordon back, uh, Jacoby Myers has flashed a little bit. Philip Dorsett is, is reliable on, on short throws for Tom Brady they might not be required or feel necessary to, to force him into a full workload right away. So, you know, people might be having Edelman on their team as their wide receiver too, and it might cost them a game at the start of the season. Maybe they start to reevaluate their roster, want to move on from Julian Edelman and get some future draft picks. So absolutely, that's a scenario. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a scenario where I, I will go after Julian Edelman after a couple of games if he is, uh, if he's, not hitting those those highs that people are expecting. But just looking over the past uh, three seasons, um, this is a, a nice little transition to to the running backs, I, I would say. But the, talking about the Patriots, they've over the last three seasons, they've been one of the most run-heavy teams in football. And you just don't think about that when you think of Tom Brady. You think them throwing it all the time. But, but actually, uh, they're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They've been ninth over the past three seasons in uh past a run rate so they've you know they've run the ball at the, the ninth highest rate uh over the past three seasons compared they've yeah thrown the ball on 57 percent of plays compared that to green bay who are the highest over the past three seasons at 65 so it's a, it's, it's a huge difference it's um yeah a, a signal of real change as tom brady's gotten older They've reinforced the offensive line. They've brought in Sony Michelle from last season, and they've really tried to uh, to limit the number of pass attempts that Brady has, as they know he, he's getting a bit older. Out of those sort of running backs, as you said, we've got Damian Harris, we've got James White, we've got Sony Michelle, and we've got Rex Burkhead. How do you see it playing out with the uh, Patriots running backs this year? Right now, Sony Michelle is a screaming value to me. Really? People, have, yeah, people have been concerned. They were particularly scared about the little knee scope that he had. He has looked fantastic in this season, in the preseason. He's looked better than he looked the entire of last season. He looks a little bit trimmer. He's he's moving laterally really well. He looks like the Sony Michelle that played in Georgia, and 
if people remember, he got injured in the preseason for the Patriots in his rookie season, and he really took a while to hit the ground running. And to be honest, whilst he was you know, effective on the ground and he churned a lot of touchdowns and yardage, that was undoubtedly down to, down, more down to the offensive line, just opening gaping holes for him. But he, he's shown some uh, agility and some movement, and he's actually creating for himself as well and getting yards after first contact. And going as the running back, 23 and James White going as the running back 25 right now like Sony Michelle has a legitimate opportunity to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Patriots fan it's because of how much they run the ball of how good the offense is and once they get inside the red zone they're going to run the football with him they've got a great blocking back in James Devlin who you know has, has created plenty of uh, rushing touchdowns for the Patriots over the last couple of seasons and if you were, his stat line would have looked so much better last year had he been involved from the start. But it was actually James White getting all the rushing touchdowns on the ground. They, Sony Michelle was injured. Rex Burkhead was hurt. And uh, Jeremy Hill tore his ACL in the start uh, before the season had started. So really, it was James White carrying the load. And he also was peppered with targets massively in the absence of Julian Edelman. And then they got, then they brought Josh Gordon in across from Cleveland, and, and, and things started to change. And so James White had a tremendous season. He finished uh, as a running back, running back seven, just unbelievable. But that was partially inflated by some absolutely monster games at the start of last season. And I think people are expecting a little too much from James White and underestimating, underestimating what Sony Michelle's contribution might look like. You're not scared of Bill Belichick just deciding, oh, one week we can use Sony Michelle, then next week we can use Damien Harris, and then the following week we can use James White. You're not concerned about sort of the inconsistencies that of the Patriots' backfield? No, I think that's sort of a narrative that gets overblown a little bit. I mean, if you look at the usage just in the preseason with the first team, it's been all Sony Michelle. Damien Harris has been very much in a backup role. I have no doubt that they drafted Damien Harris because they had some concerns about Sonny Michel's health, but he looks fantastic. Damien Harris was a solid value in the third round. Bill Belichick knew from his good friend Nick Saban what he was getting. He knew he was a you know a well-rounded back who could come in and, and fill a role for them on a, on a cheap cheap cost. But but this is Sonny Michel is very much the two-down back and. All reports from camp, he has been working on his pass catching a little bit. By no means is he James White. James White has been one of the best pass catching backs since he entered the NFL. But yeah, I don't expect to see James White get the, the sheer number of targets he had last season. And Sony Michelle, with his efficiency and touchdown upside, uh, should far exceed his ADP. Oh, look, fair enough. I don't want any sort of part of the sort of Sony Michelle, Damien Harris. I might own a bit of James White shares just because obviously his PPR value is just huge. Um, he was, yeah, running back seven and he came out of nowhere. He's sort of going very late too, sort of going, yeah, 50 around that sort of mark. He's sort of your late fourth, early fifth. So, when we take a step at James White, don't want to imply so Michelle as well. You forgot about his knee. His knee is cooked. He might his look, knee's he, fine. He, 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 he might be fine now. It doesn't mean he's going to be fine in two weeks. Uh, his, knee's, his knee's fine. He's had a little, he's had his little scope. They'll, they'll manage it just fine. And, that's what they all if, say. That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not overly concerned about that. If you know that, I mean, I suppose it's a risk you take. With 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 all running backs, right? They're the most likely to get to get nicked up. We all we all know that. But going in 43 overall, back of the fourth round again. I, I hate to sound like a homer and hyperbole, but Sony Michelle has got top 15, top top 12, even running back uh, sort of upside in fantasy scoring. So going at where he is, I think there's a, a lot of those concerns baked into his ADP, and I think there's far more upside than people are giving him credit for.
Ah, oh, fair enough. Um, is there any other Patriot wide receiver you want to touch on? Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, any value there? No, these these are great plays in in Dynasty. Nikhil Harry in particular, his value started to drop a little bit. Uh, so I, I'd be going to to throwing out offers for Nikhil Harry. He's a sensational prospect. I think he's going to have a fine career in New England. Jacoby Myers, go and check your waiver wire because people haven't been paying attention to the preseason, won't know about him. So, you know, Julian Edelman is knocking on now. As much as I love Josh Gordon, who knows where he's going to be halfway through this season. And he's also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season, If even if he does play 16 games. So Jacoby Myers could be a nice little long-term stash and shouldn't cost you much at all. And at the tight end position, it's just an absolute mess. Ben Watson suspended four games. They just had Lance Kendrick suspended for one for substance abuse policy. And then you've also got uh, Ryan Izzo, who was who missed all of last year. He made a couple of nice plays in preseason, but Don't the tight end... Matt Lacoste. Oh, yeah. Who, who could forget the great Matt Lacoste? No, it's just... Yeah, it's... The Patriots will go. Will use tight ends to to assist in the running game. They'll be able to catch a little bit, but they're not going to be the focal point of the offense. This is going to be now a a, a running offense with Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon as the, as the focus. We'll move on to the Buffalo Bills, who from weeks twelve to seventeen had the QB one in the last six games. Josh Allen, not because he threw a lot of touchdowns, because he was able to run away from the defenders trying to chase him because his offensive line was so shit. Yeah, that white boy can run. It's unbelievable what Josh, mm. Josh Allen did last season. It was. And now sort of he had a lot of accuracy issues and now they're sort of adding Cole Beasley and John Brown. They've up, upgraded their offensive line too. They've added Mitch Morse, Oak Cody Ford draft in the second round. They've also added Quitness Bain from free agency. What do you expect from Josh Allen with this improved offensive line? Is he not going to be able to run away and sort of do scrambles that he scored a lot of points on and that's why it was such a great value towards the end of the year or is this going to be good for him he's able to stay in the pocket more he's going to be throwing to guys like Cole Beasley guys like Zay Jones Robert Foster what do you expect out of uh, Josh Allen look Josh Allen is a he's an interesting case at quarterback I still think he's going to have plenty of rushing yards I know he was chased out of the pocket and was forced to scramble but I think the Buffalo Bills have seen what they've got now they've got a genuine dual threat quarterback so I really, I really like his upside. He's going as the QB twenty. His overall finish was the QB twenty last season. But again, he's got upside to far exceed that ADP. We know what he is. He's not. He's not an accurate quarterback. He had the worst completion and worst adjusted completion percentage of all eligible quarterbacks in the NFL last year. He was bad, really bad. He makes poor decisions, particularly on first down and second down when he doesn't need to to, to panic and force things. But of course, he had scrubs at wide receiver, and as you correctly mentioned, his wide res- his his uh, excuse me his offensive line was just a bunch of turnstiles. They addressed the position heavily. They paid uh, Mitch Morse a bunch of money, as you mentioned. Drafted uh, f- uh, Ford. They also brought in Spencer Long, uh, Adrian Waddle from the Patriots. Like they've attacked this position, and fair play to them for they're not taking the uh, the Houston Texans approach. They go, oh, we'll just. Let Deshaun Watson figure it out. They've really addressed this position. So that should help him somewhat, give him a little bit more time to, to process. And then they also gave him the weapons in Cole Beasley and John Brown. So he might have less scrambles. I think they use him on some designed runs. They want to be a run-first team. That assists the, the running back as well. 
So I'm all in on Josh Allen. He's one of my favorite cheat code quarterbacks this season. I've got I've got him in uh, at least half of my redraft teams. I'm scared. I'm not scared. Sorry, I'm a bit torn. As much as I want to love him, I do see some Blake Bortles potential in him. I do see a guy that turned it on at the end of the year and then sort of this year, we're all expecting something from him and he just doesn't perform. He does have accuracy issues, does like just like Bortles. He was able to run like Bortles. And he doesn't have the best receivers like Cole Beasley and John Brown will let go for a reason. John Brown less so because obviously he didn't fit the Ravens' plans. But they're still not decent wide receivers and not top-end wide receivers. So I am a bit torn. I have got him in a sort of super flex league just because I needed someone. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. I really don't know Josh Allen. I, ho- I hope the best for him. But I just I'd love to see the Buffalo Bills be a great team again, but I just don't know of him. See, I just don't see how... If he plays 16 games, he doesn't beat QB20. I just, it, I know that's a crazy thing to say. I just don't see how he doesn't exceed that. But yeah, that's there's a lot of good QBs. Like all the QBs going before him are great QBs. Like you would rate all of them before Josh Allen, though. Ah, oh, I mean, let's let's do that. Let's let's run through some of the QBs that are going ahead of him, and I'll say I'll tell you whether I prefer Josh Allen or not. All right, go Lamar Jackson. There's a good. Yeah, yes, okay. Lamar L- Lamar Jackson, absolutely. Uh, James Winston. Close, but I'll go Jameis Winston. Ben Roethlisberger. Give me Josh Allen. Really? Yeah. There you go. Uh, Dak Prescott. Ooh, that's really close. Give me Dak Prescott because of Amari Cooper. Yeah, and he's Kirk Cousins. Josh Allen. There's also Mitch Trubisky in here too, but... That's an easy Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, so for me, I'd probably have him. I could find a way. I could probably get Josh Allen into my top 15. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a perfect. He's the perfect QB2 in Superflex leagues. And you can get away with waiting at quarterback and have some monstrous weeks from Josh Allen. You might, have, you might get a couple of duds, but you should get monster weeks if you, if you really wait on the position and grab him as your QB on the way out. Mm-hmm. We'll go into the running backs. And we've got... The number one guy, according to LaShawn McCoy, is LaShawn McCoy in this backfield. He came out and said it. That means he's the number one guy. He's going to be the workhorse of the uh, Buffalo Bills. So what do you expect from him this year? The absolute number one workhorse. One, fuck LaShawn McCoy. Fair. Because he was a dick and spoiled Avengers for everyone. And two, there's a, there's a chance he gets cut. I think it's tomorrow or no, sorry, it's this this weekend. His his nine million dollar salary for this season becomes fully guaranteed. So the Buffalo Bills have to make a decision. Maybe Houston picks up the phone and is interested, or another team comes in. Um, but if if he's not, I am t- turning around on LaShawn McCoy at his ADP of forty three. Like that's ridiculous. Last season had a rookie quarterback, zero offensive line, no no receivers, like. It it spelt trouble, and he he uh, you know he produced accordingly. But if he is quote unquote the workhorse back, or he gets fifty percent of the running back snaps, he should finish well inside the the top forty three just just off volume alone and his involvement in the passing game because he is a very good pass catcher. Yeah, I do do like Sean McCoy, just not in this team. I like you. I hope he gets traded or cut. Um, I do see Devon Singletary taking over as a number one guy here. Uh, Obviously, the bad offensive line and the hamstring injury sort of smelt disaster for him last year, and he had probably his worst year of his career. Um, right now, he's going at 101. Yeah, he probably 
you're probably liking Devin Singletary. If he stays on the Bills, I'm probably liking Devin Singletary more than LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I mean, I've got Devin Singletary in a few teams. LaShawn McCoy is just falling and falling. I think the thing is, is once the ADP says this, but when you're actually on the clock in a draft, people are still grabbing LaShawn McCoy because even though he's had a couple of down years, he still has that name value and people remember LaShawn McCoy winning them fantasy championships or carrying them to the playoffs and when people are on the clock and they're panicking and they see that familiar name they go oh grab LaShawn McCoy so I think Devin Singletary can be had much cheaper than 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 LaShawn McCoy he's falling quite heavily and I'm scooping him up particularly in leagues where I'm going with a zero RB strategy or you know one one early RB and then and then wait on the position to scoop up uh, later round guys, I do like Devin Singletary as a as a later round guy, and I really like his dynasty prospects. I believe you wrote a uh, DFF article on him. Is that correct? That is that is correct. So if you head over to, to dynastyfootballfactory.com, you can you can read that. Tell, give us a little snippet of it though. Little snippet of it. Well, it's a guy who had incredible college production. He he bombed at the combine. He didn't perform well, but the Bills still really liked him. They. They went and spent a third round pick on him, which for a guy who tested poorly in his small statures was a what considered to be a reach, but it showed an investment by the team. And it's quite clear the direction the team wants to go. They're loading up on their defense and their offensive line, and they want to be a run first team. So Singletary is going to get first bite at that cherry once LaShawn McCoy either is cut, traded, or or you know, loses the juice. There we go. Do you think TJ Yeldon or Frank Gore have any sort of reach off value? Sadly, not for TJ Yeldon. I was so hopeful he'd land somewhere and, and be used by a creative offensive mind, but he really is just a, a third down back in a clear passing situation. Um, yeah, very, very little value there. And, and Frank Gore, I think he's just there to be a good locker room guy. He is a good locker room guy. He's a great locker room guy. Um, we've got John Brown and Colby added in free agency. They've got Nice uh, stays there. They've got Zay Jones and Robert Forster. Uh, is there any guy that you want to draft in here or is it just pretty slim pickings at the moment? Look, it's slim pickings because we know Josh Allen's issues, but Cole Beasley will lead the team in targets almost without question. I mean, he could get 130, 140 targets running out of the slot. And even with Josh Allen's inaccuracies, Cole Beasley has got very good hands and he could catch 65, 70 70 balls maybe maybe more and i think he's an underrated wide receiver he was used poorly in in dallas he was used almost exclusively in a third down chain moving type role but i think he has more to offer than that i think the bills know that they paid him you know nearly 30 million dollars and john brown I was hammering John Brown all of last season in the preseason in the first few weeks, and he rewarded me. He was fantastic with Joe Flacco. He was one of the leaders in the NFL in 20 or more yard receptions with uh, alongside Julio Jones, and he was scoring touchdowns as well. Of course, that all fell off a cliff when Lamar Jackson took over and the team went to the run-heaviest team in football by a significant margin. But it's going to be hard to start John Brown on a week-to-week basis, but he is when he's healthy one of the better deep ball trackers and receivers in the NFL. And he just so happens to have a guy who might have the biggest arm in, in all of football. I'd love to see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have a, have a throwing contest to see who slings it further. And he might not be the most accurate, but some of those deep balls will stick. And I think John Brown will have some games where, you know, he goes for 150 yards and a touchdown and win you a DFS game, for example. 
I'm with you with John Brown. I think they're going to try to th- throw it deep again. They threw it, uh, what was it, 18% of the time, 20 yards or more down the field. The real yep. problem is Josh Allen isn't accurate and he only completed 28%, which was the fourth lowest in the league. So mm-hmm. Buffalo do like to throw it deep. Um, I think John Brown could be a benefactor of that. Uh, but I know in camp he's been trying to sort of work on his short to intermediate throwing, which obviously will help Cole Beasley. I think sort of Zay Jones and Robert Foster on the sort of outside. I think, who was the other guy they had from Bengals? Andre Jones? No, Andre Jones. Who am I thinking of? Anyway, I think Robert Foster is the number five guy and Zay Jones number three. Oh, you're sorry. You're thinking of the tight end, right? No, Andre Roberts. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, Andre Roberts, right yes. here. He's the number four guy there. Um, the tight end, Dawson Knox, is sort of a... Yeah. They had Tyler Crofts there too, but... But he's dead. He's dead. Yeah, they're all dead. RIP. Mm. Uh, but yeah, look, I'm willing to throw a dart at Cole Beasley and John Brown. Sort of later rounds of the, uh, my deeper deeper league. So they're going sort of 140, 156, um, respectively. So yeah, I'm willing to take a stab on them. Um, Foster and Jones, Roberts, sort of just wait and see how good Josh Allen is. But yeah. Yeah, those, those are the two only two receivers I'm really uh interested in zay jones not not really i mean it's they had they had foster they had jones on the roster and they still went out and they paid john brown and they paid cole beasley so it's a signal from the uh from the front office that they wanted something more at receiver and they think these are the guys that can give it to them and i think they complement each other quite well they have two unique skill sets and when you mesh those together i think they they, it's it's a nice little receiver grouping that they've got there uh and priced accordingly because of Josh Allen's inaccuracy. Yep. We'll go on to the New York Jets, and we've got Sam Darnold, who they bring in Adam Gase from Miami. They did. They so did. No, you know what? Before we move on to the Jets, okay. and it sort of ta- does tie back into the Jets, is a defense I like this year is the Buffalo Bills in fantasy. I think people are sleeping on them. I think you can grab them uh, for free or the last round of your draft and they start week one against Adam Gase's Jets and I would be more than happy to play the Buffalo Bills against the New York Jets. There you go. There's a sort of DFS tip for you. Um, I'm sort of liking the Jets this year for some reason. I'm sort of, you know, just sort of sort of loving him. I do I do think Sam Dunn's going to have a breakout year. He's going very late. He's even going behind Josh Allen. He's going QB 22 at the moment. Um, Dan Olofsky from ESPN thought he'd be the breakout candidate of the QBs this year. Um, they've got a better offensive line. They've added a couple good receivers in Jameson Crowder, and, and they've also got Le'Veon Bell there too, which is a much better upgrade of a Bilal Powell and uh, whoever, Isaiah Crowell as well. So I'm liking Sam Darnold this year. I think he's going very late. I don't know why. Um, I guess there's other quarterbacks going before him, but I'm thinking he's going to have a breakout year, and I'm really, really, really in love with him. Look, I think he'll have a... <sighs> A breakout year in terms of the NFL, I think he'll take a step forward and I think he'll look really good. There was a stretch towards the end of the season last year where he looked phenomenal. He's looked good in preseason as well. There's still going to be some learning curves for him. He's still incredibly young. Potentially, He could still could be the youngest quarterback or starting quarterback, at least in the NFL. The biggest problem for me and the reason why people are sleeping on this offense is Adam Gase. Now, Adam Gase is supposed to be this offensive guru Adam Gase hasn't done anything outside of Peyton Manning, and we and it was Peyton Manning running that offense essentially. And the thing that scares me about the Jets, and particularly Le'Veon Bell, yes, he'll have the volume, is the pace of play that Adam Gase has had over the last three seasons. In 2018 and 2016, the Dolphins were dead last in number of plays, offensive plays run per game, and in 2017 they were 22nd. This is a guy who's who's run a slow 
on creative offense. Now, his saving grace might be that they've run a lot of no huddle and up tempo stuff in the preseason, which may be an indicator that that Gase and his the offensive coordinator there, Dal, I think Dal Loggins, who's essentially just Gase's mate and he brings him along for a paycheck wherever he goes, which, you know, there are worse jobs to have. Maybe that they're going to try and utilize some of these guys that they've got. Obviously, they think that Sam Darnold can process the game quickly. They've got you know, a lot of fast guys on that roster, right? They've got a lot of speed guys. And so maybe they think that by running an up-tempo offense, which would be great for fantasy, that they'll get more out of them. So we can only hope that's the case. The other problem is the offensive line. Now, I know they got, um, is it Ryan, Ryan Khalil? Yeah, it's not Matt Khalil, the uh, squad. Yeah, of, of the yeah they, got, they got Ryan Khalil to reconsider his retirement, and he's, he's signed with the Jets. They still need some help on that offensive line. It was one of the worst in football last year. Donald got hit a bunch. And Le'Veon Bell has had the luxury of playing behind arguably the best offensive line over the past four or five years on a you know a year-to-year basis in the Pittsburgh Steelers, just a behemoth. So he's had plenty of time behind the line. They've opened up holes for him. So I think his efficiency comes down even further behind this Jets offensive line. And I think teams will challenge Sam Darnold to, to go and beat them. Now, the one thing he does have in his favor is Le'Veon Bell in the passing game because there's arguably hasn't been a better receiving back in football since Le'Veon Bell came into the league. So that's a, a long way of saying this Jets offense could go one of two ways. I, I think it will be, it'll surprise. I don't think it's going to be completely pedestrian. It'll either surprise a lot of people or it's going to be, it's going to be turgid and, I think it's going to be a surprise. Like, on, when we look at it, there's always those surprise teams in the NFL. Like, I'm trying to think if it was last year. The Kansas City Chiefs last year came out of nowhere. People sort of were on them, but they didn't expect Patrick Mahomes to have that sort of year. Right. You got guys like the Eagles in 20, uh, 2017 came out of nowhere. No one expected us to win the Super Bowl, even make the playoffs. But bam, we did it. And there's always these teams every year that sort of do it. And I think the New York Jets can be that team. Um, we talked about the offensive line. They. Uh, new offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, who uh, came from the Dallas Cowboys. Coached them for uh, five or six years between 2013 to t- 2017. So he's got the track record. He's coaching good, offen- he's got, coaching good offensive lines. So I'm sort of willing to sort of give him that. And a lot of good offensive line play too is coaching too. Oh, with, with, without question. Without question. I mean, you can get good good guys. and like The best example is Dante Skarniecki from the Patriots. Sure, coaches up uh, and, spuds, and the, yeah, exactly. And the the polar opposite of that is Tom Cable, right? There's a coach wherever he goes, he 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 his lines grayed out as one of the worst in the NFL. Coaching is is uh, an integral part of of the offensive line. So, you know, for for Sam Darnold's sake, you hope that's the case. You would hate to see him get sacked over and over again. Regardless of being a Patriots fan, you want to see good quarterbacks succeed in the NFL. It's good for the game. It's good for fantasy. So, yeah, I. Yeah, I, I I hope it works out. Like I said, I have concerns over Adam Gase, pace of play. His offenses have, you know, outside of the Peyton Manning, offenses have never, you know, never come close to being being effective on in terms of points points per game and and that- and, all, and all, all the interesting metrics that that you care about. But he's got a genuinely good quarterback in Sam Darnold, where he never had that in Miami. So could be a case of having the personnel to to fit what he wants to do. Exactly. Ryan Tannehill compared to Sam Darnold's a bit of a difference. Very big difference. Very big difference. Um, uh, and, you want to go on? 
I was just going to say, and, and on that, so we've talked about Bell, we talked about Darnold. One guy I am really interested in is Robbie Anderson. I, I think he's a very good player. I think so too. I think we were both hired him last year, sort of just disappointed, but that's came down to QB play too. Sort of Sam Dunham wasn't there, and Josh McCann was a bit of a spud. Um, but yeah, this year it's sort of all for his taking. Um, he's got the potential to break out. It's he's going to be the number one guy there. Uh, how do you how do you see his uh, year going this year? Look, I've got a few shares of, of Robbie Anderson. I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl as my wide receiver too. I think he's shown some genuine chemistry uh, with Sam Darnold. And I'm just going to pull up his his uh, his splits from, I think it was week, let's go week 13 on uh, fantasy football, excuse me, on fantasy pros. I pull up the wide receivers. And I'm going to go PPR. Well, as you're doing that, um, I do have a stat for you. On Sam Darnold's target distribution last year, he had 414 attempts. Robbie Anderson was number one with 80. He also averaged 12.2 PPR points per game in uh, Sam Darnold's starts last year. So, obviously, there is a connection there between the two of them. Absolutely. Um, but what have you found in your sort of week 15 to 17 stats? Yeah, so from 13 to 17, I think it was around about that time when Darnold came back. Remember, he had that foot injury, which caused him to start, uh, bring back Josh McCown. He was the wide receiver 10, averaging 16.7 points per game. He had a few games where he was just free money in DFS. You had to start Robbie Anderson, put him in your lineups, no matter what. And I do think they have a genuine connection. He's a legitimately good and talented deep ball tracker. And Adam Gase has already spoken about getting him involved more in intermediate and short stuff as well. They in the preseason they used him on some uh, some slants coming in, uh, you know, close to the goal line as well, which is interesting. Might get some more looks inside the red zone rather than just hoping he takes bombs to the house. So he's the team wide receiver one, as you already you mentioned there. He commands a great target share from from Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's accurate, and he's going what is the wide receiver twenty nine like. Yeah, I, I, I really like his, his price right there. And you go him and grab him as your, your wide receiver too if you do a, you know, a running back heavy start. And you, you, he has that potential to, to blow up as well and, and finish, finish as a top 10 wide receiver on any given week. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's sort of yeah, going that 70 range. So he's going sort of mid to late rounds. He draft. I love him there too. Um, I own a few shares of him as well this year. It's yeah, sort of... A great value there. And if Sandal does turn on, there's got to be some guy coming with him and it's got to be probably Robbie Anderson. Yep, for sure. I'm, And what about the other wide receivers? I'm not enjoying Jamison Crowder too much. Really? No, honest. Oh, I mean, we know what he is. He struggles to stay healthy. He's, he's talented. He's a fine slot receiver. But I just don't think he, A, he stays healthy through the year. And I think the presence of Le'Veon Bell is going to hurt him more than people think because I, I think Bell's going to get a lot of opportunities in the slot as well. No, yeah, fair. Uh, Sam Donald did target uh, the fifth highest in uh, slot receivers last year. So he loves to target that sort of middle of the field. Um, but there's a guy in Miami that also was in the slot. His name is Jarvis Landry. And between 2015 and 2017, he was wide receiver 9, wide receiver 13, and wide receiver 5. So obviously Adam Gates likes to use that spot too. Um, whether it's Jameson Crowder or whether it's Le'Veon Bell, I think you're going to see a lot of targets going to the slot this year in New York. And I think Jameson Crowder could be that guy. Obviously, said he's sort of injury prone. 
Um, I'm willing to take a stab sort of in... He's going right now. He's going 130. I'm willing to take a stab that late in the draft on a guy who's got health risks. And if he can be a sort of a, a league-winning potential guy who's going to catch a lot of balls and he won't be as good as Jarvis Landry, but he could crack the top 30. Yeah, I'm willing to take a stab at him. That That's fair. I mean, his his price is quite quite low and given Gase's history with the slot receiver, like you mentioned, he is no Jarvis Landry. The, the talent difference is, is significant there. But yeah, a 53... Definitely injury concerns baked in there. I don't think he has a great ceiling, but yeah, I said yeah, you could you could probably do worse. Now now I, I I'm thinking about it in, in PPR scoring. You've you've taught me around there, and I think he, you know he could he could have a a solid week to week floor. A guy you put in your flex and you need five five receptions for you know fifty yards. He'll do that for you. Absolutely. Uh, another guy coming off injuries, Quincy Inunua, Um had the neck injury in 2017 and sort of had an ankle injury last year. That sort of derailed his year. Um, he signed a big contract, four years, 36 million. Are you expecting anything from him this year? Not particularly. Um, when he was most useful in fantasy, he was being lined up in the slot. But the Jets went out and, like you said, they signed Jamison Crowder. They also brought in... Greg Dorch is an undrafted free agent to be their punt returner, but he should be the second slot receiver on their chart. So Quincy Newman might go outside opposite Robbie Anderson. But I just yeah, I, I think he's better if he plays plays in the slot. So I'm not I'm not digging Quincy uh too much. Yeah, but I just I just don't yeah, I just by the time you give Robbie Anderson his target share, Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, and then Chris Herndon once he comes back for suspension, there's very little left over for for uh, for Quincy for Quincy Anuma. Speaking of Chris Hernan, he's coming off his sort of week for suspension. Um, he they do have they do have the buys at week three or week four. I thought it was week yeah uh, week five that they've got their buy. Oh, any any case, it's going to be sort of a a while. It's a long time till you can till you can uh, start Chris Herndon. Exactly. Um, are you going to carry him in any leagues, or are you just going to wait until sort of week three and pick him up? Yeah, he's a guy. Wait, wait until sort of week two, week three, and put a waiver waiver claim in for him, or even better, wait, wait till waivers run, and then pick him up and don't lose your waiver position or spend any fab on him. Be be forward thinking, uh, because yeah, there is Ryan Griffin ahead of him uh, and Trevon Wesco. I think he's a rookie. Chris Hernan will leapfrog them. He's he looked good last season. He was he was effective. So. Given how thin the tight end position is, once he's back starting, he could be a, a nice little uh, savior to the tight end position there. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you there. Even if in the sort of tight end premium leagues, I'm not sort of willing to take a stab at him. Sort of not, yeah, I'm just not willing to carry him for five weeks and burn a roster spot unless it's a particularly, particularly deep league. But roster spots are vital, uh, and people, I think, uh, underestimate their value. The only thing I want to touch on quickly is Ty Montgomery. Now, I know sort of you're like, what the, what the F? <laughs> um, but he's a guy in sort of preseason who, I don't know why, but the Jets are using a lot. Um, even during camp, I think Adam Gay said he's going to use Ty Montgomery a bit more than we expected. I expect him really to get sort of 10 carries a game or 10 touches a game. He's going to eat into Le'Veon Bell's time. Uh, and if Le'Veon Bell does go down, I think he's a guy that's going to sort of take all the load. Um so just watch out for him. Watch out for him. Keep on your waiver wire. Keep on your so watch list. Sorry, on your waiver wire. Yeah, I, they've they've raved about him all camp. He could be 
yeah, like you said, in line for 10, 10 to 12 touches a game. Uh, yeah, it, it could could be interesting if he if he does it into Le'Veon Bell's workload. My expectation is that Bell will get you know seventy percent of the running back touches, maybe maybe more, and then the rest will be distributed between uh, yeah, Ty Montgomery and Elijah Maguire, and you know either Bilal Powell or Trenton Cannon, whoever makes the roster there. How do you expect Le'Veon Bell's season to play out this year as well? Look, I think based off of volume, he's he's priced adequately, and his his involvement in the passing game should should uh, ensure that he's a, a fine draft pick. I don't see. I'd be surprised if he's top five, but he should finish top ten quite comfortably. Yeah, fair. you gonna spend a first round pick on him or not? I'd spend a late first round pick on him. Uh, for a while, I was completely out on him. I get I wrote an article about why. Uh, why I was why I was out on him, and it included things like the like the offensive line, like a reduction in his efficiency. Uh, I'm a non-believer in Adam Gase's offense, but Mike Clay over at ESPN, and I know some people don't like ESPN's fantasy stuff. Um, it's a little bit more uh, what's the word? Lighthearted, should should you say? But Mike Clay is super sharp, and he he has. Uh, Le'Veon Bell ranked higher than, than most people this season. So when a guy like Mike Clay does something like that, I sort of pay attention to it. And it, and uh, it's definitely made me reconsider my position on Le'Veon Bell a little bit. I'm still not crazy high on him, but you know, maybe Ze- the Zeke hold some news comes out and you go, oh, maybe I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell and get 16 games of him instead of 13 or 12 games of Zeke. That's the sort of territory that you're starting to get into. Do you want to talk about the Miami Dolphins or just want to skip and go home early? Look, I don't think there's much to say about the Miami Dolphins. I reckon we should give them five minutes so we don't upset the Fins Up Nation out there. But, you know, the they should start Josh Rosen every single game. If they don't do that, then they're not giving him a fair chance. Yeah, I wouldn't, off- wouldn't be only any Ryan Fitzpatrick, even in two QBs. If you're going to start a Miami quarterback or have a Miami quarterback, it should be Josh Rosen because I think he's going to sort of start sort of midway through the year. Yep, I mean, the offensive line is beyond bad the defensive line is they're just on paper they're one of the worst teams in football vegas agrees with that they haven't four and a half wins this season uh it's it's a fire sale as well apparently they they've got all of their veteran players on the block kiko alonso um rashad jones kenny stills so there isn't a lot to like about this team one guy I still do really like is Kenyon Drake. Finished as a running back 14 last year because of involvement in the passing game. He is an incredibly good pass-catching running back. Uh, I don't think he will get the full workload, but he reads the game incredibly well. He has uh, he has great vision when receiving the ball. Kalen Ballage is just flaming trash. The dude is an athlete playing running back, he, and he only hits holes that are open for him. And that Miami offensive line couldn't open a can of beans, never mind a, a hole against an opposing defense. So don't care about Kalen Ballage. Kenyon Drake, I am interested in his price. I think particularly in, in baseball formats, he's a, a really interesting play. And you can go and get him as your, you know, your running back three, running back four, and be, and be really happy there. Kenny Stills, if he stays on the team in the weeks that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays and just chucks it up, it could be interesting. Devontae Parker, no interest in. The one guy I'm really interested in is Albert Wilson. I've talked about him a few times through the offseason. Led the NFL in, in fantasy points per route run last season. Home run threat. 
they might find ways to get the ball in his hands. He's going to run from the slot. And of course, the offensive coordinator was the wide receivers coach for the Patriots for many years. And he knows how to, to get good use out of a, of a slot receiver. And I think Wilson has some talent. So, you know, that's all I'm interested in in the Dolphins, really, is, is Kenyon Drake and, and Albert Wilson. I'm not going to name any Miami Dolphins running backs. I just don't see the point. Um, Kalen Balage obviously was going way, way late and was sort of a sexy pick when he was sort of getting undrafted. Now he's getting drafted sort of in that 90 range. It's just way, way too high, especially with that bad offensive line. Kenyon Drake, yeah, he's coming off that walking boot, started jogging and running now. And again, just don't want any part of it, especially after they came out and said they're going to do a 45, 40 and 15 split with their running backs this year. Just yeah, I mean that's all that's all well and good in theory, but I don't think the defense is stopping anyone either this season and they're gonna be playing from behind and trailing and that's where Kenyon Drake profited last season in the uh, and and you know two minute and four minute uh offense and stuff like that. So that's that's why I do like Drake and his involvement in the passing game, but I can also just understand people steering away from what's bound to be a, a horrible offense. I agree with you with Albert Wilson. I do see value in him. Um I've targeted him in a couple of deeper leagues. Preston Williams is another guy I like in Dynasty. Um, as impressed in camp, looks very good in preseason, but in redraft this year, just no point owning him unless he sort of stars. And the only other guy is Mike Jacecki, but I don't think yeah, he's going to get much of a go this year. Well, he's not even the starting tight end at the moment. It's Nick O'Leary. So. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. Um, Florida State Seminole, Nick O'Leary, and uh, grandson of, I believe it's a, Jack Jack Nicholas, the golfer. So there you go, a bit of trivia for you. There you go. There you go, Lewis. Any uh, we should do a trivia segment every week. Yeah, this is like a little fun fact for us. I gotta find a fun fact about a, a football we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. That's your that's your new that's your new thing for next week. Oh even even more work for me. All right, I'll see what I can come up with. Perfect. Well, that will do, I guess, for the AFC East. Anyone else you want to talk about? Any any kickers you're interested in the AFC East? Uh, yeah, Guskowski, just because he's a good kicker. He's probably the one you're most interested in. The Bills, you don't want any part of outdoor and the weather turns horrible up there. And and I know the Patriots are the, you know, in a similar region, but Guskowski's proven his, his salt. Uh, the Jets just cut their kicker, so I don't know who's going to be there or he retired or, or something went on with the kicker. So, yeah, only Steven Guskowski is the only kicker I'm interested in. Uh, and defense, uh, like I mentioned, I like the Bills. Uh, the Jets, people should will probably be tempted by the Jets. They they drafted Quinn and Williams, best player in the draft this year. They have Leonard Williams on the defensive line, CJ Mosley. Uh, they paid a, paid a truckload of money to, but they don't have any any cornerbacks. So Jamal Adams is going to be running all over the field trying to cover but their cornerbacks absolutely stink, so I think they're going to cough up a, a lot of points. So I wouldn't be interested too much in the Jets, except for probably the weeks they play the Dolphins, and you'll get that twice a year. So, Yeah, fair. Warren Lewis, have a lovely night, my friend, and we'll speak to you next time. We'll do the AFC West. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to it. It's going to be a fun division this year. Ooh, let's go. All right. See you, mate. See you, mate. Yeah. Hey, hey, records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo?